Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisper. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and you know by now that my passion is what? To help dads become heroes. And you think about the fact that every hero never calls himself a hero. It's kind of being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. And that's what I want to help support as a woman to you as men, to give you some secrets from the inside of my planet of Venus so that you can be more qualified to reach the hearts of your kids, especially your daughters, where I have a focus and a passion, as you know by now. Well, every week, I have a grid that I use. On your mark, get set, go. Picture yourself standing side by side, ready to run your fathering race. I'm coaching you from the side, and today I have a guest coach that I know you're going to love. His name is Mark Allen Shelsky, and you're going to love hearing his heart. He's been on the program before, and today he's going to be opening up about his daughter. So on your mark is the topic. Today the topic is... Finding Middle Ground with Your Middle Schooler. And he's going to talk about his daughter being in that age range. Get set. He's going to share about his stories and what he's learned along the way. And go. He's going to give you an action step at the end of the day. So, Mark, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Glad you're back. You want to weather this again? Yes. Enter into the the ring and talk about how to build up men. And, And today we're going to be talking, as I said, about finding middle ground with your middle schooler. So, Mark, tell everyone the name of your book that you've recently written so they can go out and get it today. Sure. The book is The Wisdom of Your Heart, Discovering the God-Given Purpose and Power of Your Emotions. Wow. So as a man to be talking about your emotions is quite brave. (laughs) That's I've been told. You're as much of of an anomaly on your planet of Mars, maybe as I am over here on (laughs) Venus, right? That, wow, that's not always what men and women do, but I love it. We're just wading in together, joining hands to help equip dads to be more competent in their, their heart of leadership and love for their kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're about. Well, like I said, if you don't know where to to get Mark's book, you can get it on Amazon or you can go to his website, which we're going to spell it out, aren't we? Because People may say, okay, your name is Mark Allen Shelsky. How do you how do you spell that? Can you tell <laughs> That's them? That's right. Yes, www.marcallanschelske. Awesome. Okay, well, let's get into this. You have a daughter who's 11 years old and in sixth grade. And this whole entrance into middle school is not for the faint of heart. That's At least true. a lot of men have gone... Oh boy, that that little girl that I, you know, that I put on my knee and it was so easy back then. This is getting a little bit gnarly and I don't have a playbook. <laughs> right. Right? She's not right. my little girl anymore. Yes. And many dads have told me that they've grieved that lack of hmm. of being needed or wanted or even celebrated as their daughters have gotten older. It's just different. And yeah. so today what I'm looking forward to is you're going to be talking about how you've been able to not only, as you've said before, gone to your emotional center, but you're going to be talking about how that has impacted the fathering of a daughter. So you ready for that? Let's do it. (laughs) Let's wade into the deep end. Okay. So like I said, you're a dad to an 11-year-old daughter. What is life like with a daughter that age? Well, it's starting to be much different. We have just begun to enter the Great Change, capital G, capital C, <laughs> and uh, that makes life interesting. We have uh, we've got emotions all over the place and very strongly held opinions. Uh, my daughter is fully certain she's ready to be the boss of herself and any <laughs> anyone else. That, and she's a firstborn. That, yeah, she's a firstborn. That's right. Um, it's a roller coaster. Uh, which, as you know, with roller coasters can be both fun and scary. Yeah, good. Well said. So I'd love to ask, like, what is one of your greatest joys right now in being a father 
of a daughter at this age. Well, Emerson is just so precious to me. Uh, I'm an adopted child, and so she is the only human I regularly see who's related to me by blood. Mm. And so that is a very important bond for me. And of course, she's also my first child. So she changed my life enormously. She, you know, came in when I had no idea what I was talking about, about parenting. Um, I really take joy in her creativity and her constant desire to know things. And I expect one day in the future, I will take joy in her strength of personality and her leadership. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, today, on these days, it can be very hard work being her dad. No, I appreciate you admitting that because where are you in the birth order? I'm firstborn. Okay, so... And I'm a firstborn, and Emerson's a firstborn. <laughs> yes, yes. And we all know that even though no one taught us how to be strong in our opinions, it just sort of is in the DNA, isn't right. it? Yeah. So here you are, where I would imagine because of that firstborn thing that you have and your daughter has, it might be easy to bonk heads and go head to head. Yeah, we're 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 very similar uh, temperamentally. We're very similar in the birth order in lots of ways. And so, while the good side of that is that I understand her in ways that I don't understand some other people, uh, the other side of that is that she can push my buttons like nobody else in the world. You you sound a bit like me and my dad. <laughs> like underneath it all, there's a bond, there's a love. Yeah. But boy, we both want to be right. Right. Like well, we, right. Exactly. Right. Very strong-willed, yeah. strong-headed. And yet, like, I love that you said, I know this is good. <laughs> it's just not always good every moment. Right. And you are saying, how do I parent her right. without destroying that? Right. That's a God-given firstborn strength in her. Okay. Here, here's a question I've got for you. Would you, Mark, be so bold as to maybe share? You talked about she could push your buttons. What might be one of them that she pushes? Well, you talked about uh, in your relationship with your dad, both of you needing or wanting to be right. And she and I share that profoundly. Uh, and, and what's interesting is as I've spent time really reflecting on and learning about my own emotional experience, what I've learned is that with my daughter, she has become a mirror for me in my own personal growth. And so in some ways it's incredibly good, but it can be very difficult. Uh, here, here's an example. Uh, she started um, actualing me very, very early. Do you know, you know what I mean by no, that? What's so, that? you know, somebody says something and then somebody else butts in and says, well, actually, and then unloads a correction on you that you right. didn't ask for. So she's been well actualing me since, you know, almost as soon as she could speak. <laughs> And uh, it's uh, pretty irritating, you know, when someone bursts into the conversation with a spirit of authority, like she actually knows stuff that she doesn't really know. <laughs> and uh, I would I would notice in my own heart just emotions rising up in me when she would do this, where I would be irritated or bothered. But then I also began to notice, oh, hey, where did she learn this from? And I began to see that mm. this is a behavior that I do to other people. And if I feel this bothered by it when she does it to me... Does that mean other people in my life feel this way about me unloading uh, unsolicited corrections on them? And so then while it pushed my buttons, maybe that also is a challenge for me to grow personally. Oh, my goodness. That is so cool. If what I hear you saying is that you use the buttons that get pushed by your daughter to be a catalyst for looking at how you relate in the same way to other people. Whoa. Yeah, that's the painful part. That's the painful part, the courageous part. Whoa. I mean, I think if more dads were willing to own their stuff like you just have, maybe even asking for forgiveness, you know, <laughs> right. when they've blown it. You know what? 
I did not set a good example for you, Emerson. Will you forgive me? I just think what a difference that would make for girls. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like, I've talked with girls. It's going on four decades almost. Yes, I'm getting older. And I hear that a lot. They're like, my dad always has to be right. Mm -hmm. And I think if men would realize they'll get further by admitting, you know what? I blew it right there. They're modeling that because you know, more is caught than taught. Well, we're talking about middle school, this whole phase of development. And, you know, there's a social psychologist who says, you know, between the ages of like 12 to 20, it's identity versus role confusion, figuring out who am I and where do I fit? Which means your daughter's asking that question right Right, now, right? And you can tell. So as you think about Emerson, how do you see her navigating those questions right now? Well, that's that's the front issue all the time. You know, she is a shapeshifter all of a sudden. You know, mm-hmm. some days she's so clear about who she is and what she wants and has all these powerful feelings and certain opinions and so much frustration when she doesn't get treated the way that she thinks she ought to be. I mean, I can't even tell you how much pain we have in our house around the question of when she gets a phone, <laughs> right? That is the big controversy right now. And other times she wobbles into another shape, you know, where she needs long cuddles at bedtime and she's desperate for the comforts that she might have had as a little child, you know, certain toys or music or memories or certain trips to certain places. And so she's in this tension between is she a little kid? Is she a teenager? Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. She has no idea. We don't know. Any she moment it know. could be different. She doesn't know. Right. right. She's like, I don't. I mean, I would imagine because she's in it that she doesn't even realize how much she pendulum swings. Yeah. But here you are as a father going, I'm not sure which playbook to to move out of, you know, to act out of, because now you're little, now you're big. Right. I'm lost. <laughs> right. And yet you are saying as a dad who's in touch with your own emotions, I need to somehow ride the waves with her. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's the case, right? So much of our parenting, when we're not being conscious, so much of our parenting is reactive. You know, so something happens that has discomfort for us and we react to try and get back to comfort. You know, so we need our child to obey in a certain way, in a certain timeline. We need them to behave a certain way. And and the truth is that that parenting that we're doing is not about what's best for them. It's about what's most comfortable for us. And that that means that we as parents are called to really look inside and discover how our own emotions are shaping our reaction with our with our kids on good days and bad days. Mm, well said. And I know in your book, The Wisdom of Your Heart, you're talking about how emotions are made in the image of God, so they're not bad. Right. He made them to be a good part of us. And I know that many of the men I work with, the fathers of daughters that I come alongside, you know, in the Abba Project with them, they're saying her emotional reactivity about wears me out. Yeah, right. I just, and literally, I had a conversation yesterday with a man that said, I have two sons. I think I'm doing pretty good with them. But with my 16-year-old, I know I'm not hmm. doing well. I know it, but I don't know what to do different. And I think part of what you're saying, Mark, in your story, in your book, is that our individual beliefs about emotions impact men in how they relate to their kids. Can you say more about that? Well, The Wisdom of Your Heart's not a parenting book, but as I've lived with the material and the the journey of emotional recovery that I talk about in the book, I've been paying attention to my emotions and I've discovered that whether I like it or not, my emotions are central to how I parent mm-hmm. uh, on the days that I do a good job and on the days that I do a bad job. Uh, so two things come to mind quickly. First is that a father needs to understand his emotions well. The less connected to your own emotions you are as a father, the poorer of a parent you're going to be. It's just going to be the case. If we don't understand what's happening inside of us, then we inevitably will take it out on the people closest to us, and that that's oftentimes our kids. 
You know, so I can be reactive and I can be angry with my daughter when in reality, my emotion has nothing to do with her. Perhaps I'm struggling with a conversation that went badly earlier in the day, or I'm feeling anxiety about some upcoming work deadline and I'm questioning my performance, or, or my daughter can just pop in at the wrong moment. And if I'm not careful, my need to be comfortable will overrule my need to do what's best for her, and I'll take my feelings out on her. And if we're not paying attention to what's going on inside of us, we won't even realize that we're mm, doing this. That's good. And the second thing is that we have to get comfortable with emotions being neither good nor bad. I mean that both about our own emotions and the emotions of our child. Oh, wow. Say more about that. Well, emotions happen, right? They're responses to something that's going on in our outer circumstance or inner life, and they kind of well up inside of us. And that means they can happen at inconvenient times. They can happen when we need to get out the door and go to school. They can happen when we've got agendas. But when they happen, they disturb our peace. And what we want to do is we want to get back to feeling okay. And so we try to just push that away. But if, if we are not understanding that though those emotions are carrying important information. They're not good or bad. They're not uh, a child trying to be uh, non-compliant. They're having, they're having a response. And so if we can get comfortable with that, then we can just allow our children to have the emotions that they have and, and separate that anxiety we have out, right? I, I, one of the parenting tools that I grew up with and that I learned was kind of separating my child out when they were not behaving or having the attitude that I wanted, you know, so go to your room until you can come back and be happy. Right. But, but I'm teaching my kids when I do that, that your emotions aren't welcome here. Yeah. Right. Well, that's terrible. That's a terrible message to teach them. Right. And so to be able to say, it's okay that you're sad, you know, it's okay that you're feeling angry right now. It's all right. Like that is a new thing for me to be comfortable when my daughter's angry with me mm-hmm. to not feel like I have to fix it or change it. But go, I get that you're angry with me about this. I'm sorry that you feel that way. You know, when, when I'm available to talk, when you want to talk, you know, I don't have to be feeling discomfort or frustration. I don't have to manage her emotions for her. That's not go. my job. There you go. Oh, I so appreciate you saying that because the fact that I was raised in the sixties, seventies, it was that message. Go you know, to your room until you can come out with a smile on your face kind right, of message. Right. And I didn't know what to do with my emotions inside my bedroom mm-hmm, that I right. still didn't know how right. to process them. And I think maybe even taking it a step further, like you said, talking about God creating emotions is then I projected that on God as a father mm, and thought, right. I, he's not okay. I need to go away, get my emotions under control to come back to him. Right. And then that was obviously really poor theology, Yeah, you right, know, right. and then it just perpetuates into adulthood and we don't know what to do with them. So Mark, now I want to go back to what you said about it not being your job to fix or manage Emerson's emotions. Mm. That is really a powerful concept. Say more about that if you could. Sure. Well, if, if I believe that there's certain emotions that are bad, you know, if my daughter's angry at me, that's a bad thing and I need to change it. So I either need to, you know, the way I'll change that would be I need to change my behavior so she's happy with me. Or I need to tell her in no uncertain terms that that sort of attitude is not welcome around here, young lady, right? <laughs> and both of those is about managing her emotions. Well, if we step back from that and realize that any emotion is fine, it's not good or bad, it's okay for her to feel angry, she just needs to learn how to process that, then I can be freed from the need to change her emotion, mm. right? And I think that for men, this is a trap that we fall into, that we very often, men have this perspective that our role is to fix the problem, And right now the problem is she's angry at me and I don't like that feeling and I don't want her to have that attitude or whatever. And so I need to fix that problem in some way. And, and a lot of times we even think we're doing the right thing by fixing the problem. You know, I did this for years with my wife where there would be something going on that she was 
frustrated or upset about. And my response was, well, what can I do to change that circumstance for you? How can I get in there and make it different yeah. so that you can feel differently? And, and the benefit of being that fixer is that I get to feel helpful and kind and loving because I'm going out of my way to inconvenience myself to fix their problem. Mm. But, but in truth, that need to fix comes from two serious problems. The first thing, this is uh, awkward to hear, but usually it's more about me. I want to fix the problem so I can get on with life. It's inconvenient for me mm. to have my daughter be crying and I need her to stop crying so that I can get on with my peaceful evening. It's painful for me to have my wife angry at me and so I need to fix the situation so that she's so that she's happy again so that I can go on and not feel that discomfort. And so if you peel back the layer and look, even if I'm really kind and gentle about it, my fix isn't really about helping them. My fix is about relieving me from discomfort. Thank you for admitting that. That that takes some courage to admit that. I appreciate it. The second thing that's a problem with this fixing, and this is a big deal for parenting, this was an aha moment for me when I learned it, is that that fix-it mentality teaches our kids a terrible lesson. It telegraphs to our children, to our daughters, I think in particular, that I don't believe she's smart enough to solve this problem on her own. She needs me to, as a man, as her dad, to bring mm. my wisdom to bear to fix the problem. Wow. Right? And so I'm going to jump in and fix it. And if I do that a lot, I'm sending this consistent message. I don't really think you're capable of handling life's struggles without me. You know, let me just fix that for you. You're better off if you get someone like me to solve your problems. Well, th imagine how that's setting her up in her life for relationships with men, right? Absolutely. You're better off if you get someone like me to solve your problems for you. Well, when I realized that's what was happening, that's absolutely antithetical to what I want for my daughter. I want my daughter to be strong and capable and self-sufficient. I want her to, to have confidence in her ability to face the difficulties of life. Well, if I'm constantly fixing her emotions for her, I'm teaching her that I don't believe she can handle them. Yeah. I have to stop that, which means I have to step back and let her wrestle with the emotions. Let her wrestle with the problem. Let her suggest a solution. If she wants my wisdom, I can offer it, but I'm not going to start there. Mm -hmm. I want to even add from, from my female perspective another piece that I think would be helpful for dads to know about us as daughters is that we can tell when you're kind of tired of mm. how long it's taking us <laughs> to work through our emotion. Because yeah. the truth is, when we get all amped up, our midbrain is firing. Right. And it floods our frontal lobe, which is where we think reasonably, rationally, and it takes a while for it to calm down. Mm -hmm. And so we can't rush it. It's going to take some time. And if we know that you're angry with us or disappointed that we're not getting where you want us to be fast enough, I think it creates more division within ourselves as daughters of how do I, in a strong and capable way, honor what I'm feeling, then I'm going to realize this isn't who I want to be. And then maybe even come and say, I'm really sorry. But dads, let it take time. That's a huge deal. I think, I think we underestimate how powerful the motive is for our children to please us. Mm -hmm. And if they learn that what pleases us is a peaceful, sensible, calm attitude, then they're learning to deny and disconnect from their emotions. And that's yeah. going to be very destructive for them in their life. Yeah, well said. Well, you've talked a lot about your healing journey, even on our other programs. And you're talking about how that's impacted how you parent, right? Mm, your right. son and your daughter. But what did you learn, Mark, about yourself through that excruciating process of facing your pain in order to heal? Especially, you've said some of it, but does anything else come to mind when you think about 
fathering your daughter, who's probably in some ways, Mark, where you were during some of the hardest part of your journey. My emotions are all over the place. Yeah. They're up one minute and down the next. Yeah. How does your journey impact fathering her? Well, I am I am by no means a parenting expert. I struggle all the time, particularly with my daughter. But I think one of the things that has impacted me the most is beginning to think about the memories I want my daughter to have when she's 20 or 30 and she's looking back on her dad and what she remembers. And I know that I don't want her to look back and remember her dad as someone who was always judging her performance or measuring her productivity or policing the tone of her voice or well actualing her when she has opinions. I don't want that to be her memory of me. Well, the only way that that is going to change is if I change my behavior towards her now, right? Mm -hmm. If I begin to do things differently. And so I have to remind myself constantly that her emotions are okay. It's all right for her to feel the way that she does. I have to remind myself to listen. I have to remind myself to correct uh, to correct her less. I have to remind myself to sit and be with her. You know, we had a situation just this week where she had something at school she didn't want to face, she didn't want to deal with. And so we're on the clock needing to leave to get to school on time. And she's sitting in her closet in her pajamas declaring that she's not going to go to school, right? And wow. it was my wife's sensitivity to slow the process down that morning and basically say, you know what, it's less important that we're on time for school and it's more important that she has a space to process this through with us. Well, that wasn't where I was at. I was like, <laughs> we got to get to school. Come on, you you have three minutes to solve this problem, lady. Get your clothes on, you know? And so here I am having to stop again and go, okay, listen to her. Stop and listen to her. Her emotion isn't the problem. She needs to learn how to deal with this. She's not going to do that on her own. Yeah, and you paced with her. Pace well, with I didn't, her. I didn't do a good job of that, but that's what I want to do. And I love the fact that you're even celebrating that you paced with your wife's pacing of your daughter. You yeah, know, she like, led in that for sure. She led, mm -hmm. and you didn't pull the trump card of I'm the dad because you can get louder. Mm -hmm. You can get more forceful. It's my way or the highway. And I would say pretty much it's 100% of the time going to be a bomb when you go that route. <laughs> oh, that's so painful right? to hear. Because so much more is, is opened up relationally when yeah. it's softer and gentler and slower, right? Yeah. And pacing yeah. with her. So what a powerful story. I appreciate you even being honest about, okay, I didn't do so well this week. Well, okay, I got one more question for you. As you know, every time I love to end with a go step, right? So today, the title has been Finding Middle Ground with Your Middle Schooler. My guest, Mark Allen Shelsky, has shared lots of stories and lots of things he's learned about himself that have transferred to how he fathers a daughter who's now in this middle school phase of life where he's like, oh, this is different than it used to be. What would a go step be if you wanted to encourage other dads to connect with their daughters in this phase of their development? Well, I think the most important thing we can do is something that we do in a lot of places in life. I think men are very willing to learn from experts. I think we we pay money online for online courses to learn how to better be leaders. We learn about productivity from productivity gurus. You know, we follow so-and-so on the internet so that we can learn how to maximize our life. But we're not listening to our daughters tell us what they need. I'm not. very. It, it's something I have to consciously slow myself down to do. And so I think that's the go. My daughter will tell me what I need from her. She's already doing it, maybe not necessarily with her words. Um, that lesson came to me from reading your book, uh, Dad, Here's What I Really Need uh, From You. And that was the most significant thing I walked away with, that I need to set aside my agenda and hear her, hear her through her actions, hear her through her emotions, hear her through her behavior and her words. 
And that only happens by spending time with her. So the go step is spend time with your daughter this week and actually listen to her where she's at. Mm. Um, it, and if it makes you crazy, spend time figuring out why that is, because I promise you it's not her fault. Oh, well said. Well, today the title has been Finding Middle Ground with your middle schooler. Get set. You've had the privilege of hearing again from my friend Mark Allen Shelsky. Thank you for being here, Mark. It's been a joy to talk with you about how you parent and how you've navigated this season of life with her. Well, between today and next Monday, Mark wants you to get out there, spend time with your daughter, slow down, pace with her and listen to her. You can get his book on Amazon Anywhere else, The Wisdom of Your Heart, Discovering the God-Given Purpose and Power of Your Emotions. You can always go to my website at drmichellewatson.com where I have free resources. And really, Mark and I both have a similar heart in wanting to champion fathers, champion men to be who God has called them to be as they intentionally and consistently put their love for their kids into action. Go dads.